I mean, yeah, I well, it's possible. It's getting to be that time of the year for us, that's for sure. Yep. Well, uh, it is that minus, one, minus one right now. Little little, yep. little chilly. What yeah, are we we're doing here? At about, uh, what are we, eight degrees right now? Something like that, so it's not too, too bad. No, three degrees. Huh. Whoa. What do you know? Oh, my God. Moving out. Hmm. Okay. Will, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. I'm all good. I'm all good. It's freaking cold here, and it's snowy here, so I got something neither one of you have right now. So well, that's Alberta, and I, I don't, want I don't know if I don't know if you want it because I certainly don't. No, no, nobody but really. It's CFL football season, so playoffs. So of course it's cold in Calgary, and I'm. Dreading the game on the 18th because it's going to be cold. Well, I'm getting old and I don't and I don't like cold anymore. So, so, and let's just hope it's not that other team that wears green underwear in my stadium that day. So, but yeah, no, everything's good. Everything's good. So. Looking forward to the playoffs this weekend. I've been actually waiting in great anticipation all week. It's what I have to look forward to. So well, we're almost there. Yeah. Yep. Did we lose CJ? No, I'm here. I'm here. I don't I'm here. Think so. No, I'm, oh, I don't know where to quiet for a second. And my calm voice has lulled him to sleep. That's what it is. Could be. No, I'm not. I'm on Facebook there, and there's a guy selling some farm equipment, and I was asked him how much something was, and then he told me, and it was too much money, and I went, holy shit. And it's not just that. It's a whole pile of things. So. Okay. Yeah, we're moving on. Okay, so we're going to talk football. We got We got two games, four teams. And uh, BC and Hamilton. BC's crossing over, heading back east to Timbit Field and uh, playing the Ticats. This one's going to be a little closer than what most people figure, but, you know, I don't think the Ticats have got the moxie to do that without Brandon Banks. Uh, If you remember the two games that uh, BC played them, uh, BC won one in overtime. It was a bit of a gift because June Jones screwed up on the last play of the game or less series for him. He punt, punted the ball instead of going for a, uh, went for a single point instead of going for a field goal. I didn't understand that logic at all. And then BC tied it up and went into overtime and won it in overtime. So that was BC's first game with Hamilton. The second game was an absolute bloody blowout. It was like 42 to six or something dumb like that. And, uh, might have been three. So, yeah, the but the first game was without Brandon Banks, and the second game was with Brandon Banks, and this game coming up is without Brandon Banks. So I think he's the majority of their, their offense. I don't know how they're going to you cover Luke Kasker. What have they got for a weapon? They really don't have anything. So we should be able to double-team Kasker and see what the hell else happens, right? Okay, so... Um, 
Charles, go ahead. Yeah. Pick a team. Pick a team. All pick right. a score. Well, I think most people can probably guess who I'm going to pick in this one. Uh, look, if you look at the um, Hamilton Tiger Cats, since they lost Brandon Banks, they have looked like a lost football team. They just uh, Their offense has shut it down. Their defense has shut it down. This is a team that has been pretty bad over the last few years. Uh, they looked good for a lot of this year, but I've seen other teams like this that have, that have looked bad for a few years. They have early success in a year, but then towards the end of the year, they they kind of level off and get back to their bad habits. And that's kind of what I'm looking at here in terms of uh, Hamilton. Uh, in the last three weeks, they've lost three in a row. Don't forget, uh, the Ticats at one point were in first place in the Eastern Division and looked like they were going to be able to host the Eastern Final. Well, they lost a home-and-home home to Ottawa, which basically uh, destroyed their place hopes. And then they lost a um, kind of a mean-nothing game to uh, the Montreal Alouettes. But you know what? They're not exactly coming in with uh, the best um, uh, on a roll or anything like that. Now, you could also kind of say the same thing about same thing about the BC Lions, as they've lost back-to-back for the first time in a long time coming into this game. They lost to Saskatchewan. Then, of course, they lost another one to Calgary in a mean-nothing game. But the Lions' defense right now, even in the games that they lost, the the recent two games, against Saskatchewan and against um, uh, uh, Calgary Calgary they played last week, they didn't look terrible. They weren't great in Saskatchewan, but they were on the field the whole bloody time, so no wonder they weren't good. Last week against Calgary, they kind of got off to a slow start, but they shut Calgary down in the second half. The Lions could have come back in that game if they had some offensive punch, which they had none of in that game. I think it's very important for the Lions in this game to establish the run uh, with Terrell Sutton. Um if he can have a big game, uh, you know, anywhere from the 90 to 100-plus yards, that's a recipe for success for the Lions because, as we've seen earlier this year when they first brought him in, that opened up the pass. And if you can get a successful pass and a successful run, they um, that can uh, be um, a very good um that could be a very good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, combination that can really expose the uh, the Hamilton defense, which has been up and down this year. They've had their good games, and they've had their crappy games. But, of course, you could say that about the Lions. Well, you know what? For the most part, the Lions defense has been pretty good straight throughout the year, at least since the uh, beginning of uh, about the midway point of the season. So, um, it's not going to surprise anyone that I'm going to pick the Lions in this game. I pick them every week. Uh, I think their defense is better, and I think right now, especially without Brandon Banks, I think their offense is better. And another key point in this one, looks like Solly's going to play. And he's a game changer. And one of the biggest problems for the Lions this season has been the inability to shut down the opposing team's run. He can help that immensely. 
So if he plays and can be any type of contribution and the Lions can get the ball going on the ground the other way, I think this is going to be a very good game for the Lions. I'm going to pick the Lions to win this one. I think it will be relatively, you know, not super high scoring, but there will be some points scored. Uh, I'm going BC 31 and Hamilton 24. Okay. Um, what I saw from Lowell Ulrich was that Holly was pulled off the six-game injury list and so that they could see evaluate him in practice, and that evaluation mm-hmm. did not go well. I don't know. So, All I heard is that yesterday and today he took the majority of the first rep uh, snaps, yesterday and today. That's a different story than what I heard, and that's good news. The other thing that yeah. I heard was that they're talking about bringing Jeremiah Johnson off the sixth game yes, as well. I read that as well. And then they'll, keep, they'll run him and Sutton in the backfield. Yeah, he was going to go in and they were probably going to take Chris Rainey out from what I've yes. seen. Well, Rainey's hurt, right? He's been playing injured for quite some time. He did that, he's had that ankle issue for at least three or four weeks. Yeah. So, anyhow, that's a, it's an interesting turn of events, and it would be nice to see Solly back in there. At least they could slow down the run a little bit with him in the middle. Not saying Jordan Herdman isn't doing a bad job, but he's not Solly. Let's face that. No. That's true. William. Yes. You going to drink the Kool Aid with the orange and black, or are you going with the golden black? Well, I I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I'm thinking about it. Um, You know what? I both teams have lost their last two games of the regular season. Um, BC was on a quite a good winning streak before those last two games. And they did enough to get into the playoffs or at least get the crossover. Hamilton, man, Hamilton's been going backwards for a while now. Ever since, as Charles said, ever since Brandon Banks. And, uh, but you can't really look at the regular season because you never know what's going to happen on, on playoff day. Um, I would think Hamilton has the advantage because the game's at ten o'clock in the morning. What time is that for? What time is that for players in BC? What well, no, kind of ten time o'clock does it, Vancouver time. One o'clock Hamilton. Oh, 10 time. O'clock Vancouver, one yeah. o'clock Hamilton time. So that's what time for uh, for guys from the west? That's like ten o'clock, 10 o'clock, right? Yes, ten o'clock. How often? How often do they play football at ten o'clock in the morning? Not very often. I don't well, know when are they leave. Do you know when they're leaving? Are they leaving early or are they leaving later? Yeah, they're going to practice the, the last day in, in Hamilton. So they're leaving two days early so that they yeah, can adjust to it and, and tomorrow, get a full day's practice in Hamilton. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I, I, I think it's uh, – I think the game's up for grabs. If you, if you look at the two teams, I think uh, – they have, I think they have comparable quarterbacks. Um, I think they have comparable running games. I BC's O line might be better than Hamilton's, but Hamilton, you can't really get a hold of Jeremiah Mazzoli because he's quite a mobile kind of guy. 
Um, but they don't have Brendan Banks, which is a huge difference. They have Luke Casker, and they have Mark Way McDaniel, who hasn't done anything since he started playing for them. And uh, I, I think you have to give the edge to have, or to DC. So I'm going to pick uh, a relatively low-scoring game. Sorry, and of course you have BC's defense, which has been excellent in the latter part of the season. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go BC twenty-two, um, Hamilton fourteen. You know, when you guys are putting out your score, I. Uh... I, I usually put down the team that I think you're going to score before or win before you actually say it. And I'm right 90% of the time. The odd time will scare me and pick Montreal or something dumb like that. But um, the first score comes up, and I'm sitting there, and I got the 22 down. I put the slash between the two of them, and I'm going, okay, he's gone 22, a little scoring game. He's going to say 14, and then he says 14. And I go, yeah. You know, and I'm right probably about half the time when I pick the second score. It's kind of weird. Anyhow, thought I'd share that. Um, you are the man. I, yeah, I am. Football God. I'm picking BC as well, and I'm kind of on the same wavelength with both of you, but I'm going to kind of go in the middle, and I'm going to pick this one 27-16. Sorry, 26-16. Sorry, Stephen. 26-16. Okay, I, it's an interesting game. There's a lot of lot of different things that are happening to the two different teams at this point in time. Yeah, they've got some serious injuries with some of their all stars and uh, this, that, and everything else. And I don't know. I it's going to be a closer game than we think it's going to be. Well, I just I'm a BC fan. What can I say? Okay, second game. Winnipeg Blue Bombers are traveling west to that. Hey, aren't you gonna? Aren't you gonna tell? What? What Mark aren't did? You gonna tell everybody what yeah. Mark's score? Sorry, sorry, I should have done that first. Mark's score is twenty-seven twenty-two for BC. He's and he so we all, and he picked BC. Holy yeah. smokes! Yeah, and BC sucks according to him. Yeah, according to him, Hamilton must suck more. Apparently. I forgot my water glass upstairs. Damn. Okay. Um, Winnipeg Blue Bombers are, like I said, are traveling west to that noisy-ass stadium in Regina called Mosaic, and they are going to play the Rough Riders in the Western semifinals. Saskatchewan failed to uh, knock Calgary out of the top spot, and uh, and they are blaming it on BC because BC didn't beat Calgary. Come on, if you want a playoff position and you want a certain playoff, you got to play for it. Okay? So, you know, you don't rely on somebody else to win a game so that you can slide into a position. And uh, that's exactly what the Riders were trying to do. They were trying to get BC to knock Calgary off, and it didn't happen that way. Calgary came to play football, beat the Lions in a mean-nothing game for the Lions, and uh, that's how it worked. So... Um, Saskatchewan's in second place. Winnipeg has to travel. 
Marcus picking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No surprise there. 24-16. Low-scoring game, Mark. Okay, Charles, go at it. This is kind of a tough one to call because I can see uh, personally an argument for both of these teams winning. Um, they've both got very good defenses, no question. I think they both got very good kickers. I think this comes down to is which team has the best offense and which team can put up the most points. If it's coming down to that, I'm sorry, Ryder fans, you're not going to like this, but I'll pick the Ryder, I'll pick the Bombers over the Riders every time. I'm not sold on the Riders' offense. I haven't been all year, and I've stated that multiple times. I don't know how healthy Zach Caleros is. Uh, they saying, oh, he should be fine to start. They have not yet officially named him as the starter. And it's Wednesday. You only got a few more days left. So while he probably will start, they're still being cautious about it. And then if he can't go, who do you go to? Brandon Bridge, who's inept, or Drew Tate, who just got there? Good luck with that, because that's really... Uh, a uh, great choice. On the other side of the offensive ball, you got Winnipeg. I'm not a huge Matt Nichols fan, but he, I think he's played relatively well. I still don't put him as an elite quarterback, uh, but he can be a very good quarterback. Um, I don't know. I just they've got a better running back. I'm still going to take Andrew Harris over anyone that the Riders have got. Receiving core, I think they're pretty well even, but uh, they've got guys like, um, of course, um, oh, what's the little guy's name? Um, oh, Weston Dressler, thank you. Um, why am I saying thank you? I figured it out myself. Weston Dressler, who's been there before. Um, I still like Darvin Adams, Nick Dembski, and so on. Uh, the You might give a slight edge in the offense, in the receiving it core, to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but the big key is you've got to get someone to get them the ball. And as we've seen a lot this year, the Riders' offense has all sorts of problems scoring touchdowns. To me, this is going to be, uh, again, the story here. I just think that the Bombers' offense can put up more points than the Riders' offense. I don't particularly like the Riders' As long as the uh, Bombers can control the turnovers and not fumble and not have a stupid interceptions being thrown like Matt Nichols did against the Bombers in Labor Day or in the Banjo Bowl or whichever game that was, the Bombers should win this game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be lower scoring. But I think that the Bombers can put up more offense than the Riders can. And just based on that, I'm going to give the edge to the Bombers in this one. And I'll call the the Bombers to win this one 21-17. 21-17 for the Bombers. Okay. William. Well... This is the hardest, one of the hardest games of the year to pick, in my mind. Number one, it's a playoff game. Number two, it's two teams that hate, and I mean hate, each other's guts, okay? 
And, um, you know, this year Saskatchewan won the Labor Day games, but then X amount of weeks later, Calgary, or Winnipeg beat them 31 to nothing. So I I think on 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 paper I think Winnipeg's offense is far superior to Saskatchewan's, and I mean you can more or less say Saskatchewan doesn't even have an offense, but their defense has been quite good. And the thing that scares me about this game is Chris Jones has had an extra week to sit back and come up with some diabolical scheme for defense, and you're going to see a whole bunch of wrinkles in there that Winnipeg has not seen yet. Um, but I, I think the key for the Bombers in this game is that they run the ball down Saskatchewan's throat because I think Saskatchewan is very susceptible to the run. And, I mean, you got those two... Uh, high-pressure defensive ends that are always pushing forward, that's usually when you can run against them. And I and I think Winnipeg's O-line is way, way better than Saskatchewan's defensive line. So I'll be curious to see how much they run the ball because in my mind, they never run the ball enough. And you got the best running back in the CFL back there. That would be Andrew Harris. Um you know, Saskatchewan's offense is pop gun. I, I didn't realize this statistic was out there, but Zach Kolaris has thrown nine touchdown passes this year to 13 interceptions. Okay? Rock so and roll. If, 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 uh, if Winnipeg can shut down Saskatchewan's uh, run game, Saskatchewan is not going to win. But... They've also got 12 victories this year, so it's hard to say. But um, because I will never, ever, ever, ever pick Saskatchewan as long as I live, I am going to go with Winnipeg, and I'm going to – I believe that it's either going to be a really close game or it's going to be a blowout by one team or the other. So in this situation, I think uh, Winnipeg's – uh, defense has blowout capability, and I am gonna go with Winnipeg thirty-two, Saskatchewan twelve. Thirty-two to twelve, and you're picking the Bombers there, eh? Yes, sir. Okay, so um. Now, you said something that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense has the ability to score points. Um, if I'm not correct here, Saskatchewan, its defense actually leads the league in points, takeaways in both interceptions and – no, BC wins that one, interceptions and, and fumble recovery. Anyhow, but I think it's that Saskatchewan leads it in uh, defensive points. Am I wrong here? Does anybody know this fact, stat? I wouldn't even know well, what I want to do, but I, sure I, I right. think I said, I think I said Winnipeg offense can score points. Well, yeah, their their offense can score points. I don't think Saskatchewan's can. They've gone several day, games without scoring any points. It's either their defense or special teams that was winning them football games. 
Yep. So, yeah. Wow. So, recently, or in the last, let's say, 50 years, 40 years, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have faced each other in the playoffs just three times. The last time they did it in Saskatchewan was 1975. Doesn't that, doesn't that seem a little weird? Doesn't yeah, that, for, in a nine-team league, that's really weird. But yeah. you also got to remember, though, that there were a lot of years there that Winnipeg was in the uh, Eastern Conference. There wasn't a lot of years. Was it, uh, it was four or 90s, five? No, it was more than that. It was uh, They went over and... They went over in 1987 when the Montreal Alouettes folded, and yeah. then they didn't come back till the Alouettes came back, and that was 1996. So I guess it was about nine years they were in the East. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, so be it. And they were a shit yeah. team for a lot of years, right? I mean, yeah. let's face it, they're, they're pretty much 30 years without a Grey Cup right now. Well, and so. the Riders had a whole big period there where they didn't make the playoffs for it in the eighties. They hardly yeah. ever made the playoffs. And, and there was also a period of time after you said that. What? When did you say they came back, Charles? Nineteen ninety-six. Okay, and then there was another period where they were in the East because, if you because remember Ottawa the two thousand. Well, right. If you remember the two thousand and one Grey Cup, they played Calgary, so they must have been yeah. in the East. So they ended up going okay, back, so, I think, is what happened. Yeah. So I would say 10, yeah. 12, 13 years, right. something like that. So. Yep. Yeah. So anyhow, that's a kind of a important type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay, I'm picking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to win this one, and I'm going to pick them 27 to 18. And we'll see what happens there. So we all picked the Bombers. We all picked the Lions. Life is good. What else can you ask for, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing else to say. Jeez, man, what are we going to talk about? Oh, yeah, we got lots to talk about. But it's interesting, you know. We well, we ripped through these games. That was only thirty minutes. We usually take an hour, four games, and there's usually more people. But you know what the hell? Okay. So, moving on, we're going to do a post-mortem on the Toronto Argonauts. Okay, so you guys have got this one up. Uh, what, there was an article. It, it just, Jason Moss, I can't believe this. We're, oh, we're going to talk about that in a bit. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about that thing in a bit there, Charles. Okay, uh, yeah. I just I can't just believe saw that. It. It, that just came up, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. And, yeah. You know what? And, and that doesn't mean that that's fact either. No, I guess not, but I'm not okay, so sure. I can't imagine the you would say you gave it. Us it a, a um, press conference, so there's really not much to go on. We're just going to have to talk about what's going on. And and let's face facts. The Tur- Toronto Argonauts are in some serious trouble. I mean, they just fired Mark Tressman as a head coach. More than likely, Ricky Ray is going to retire and or should retire. And if he does come back, that just puts them in a – the, the Toronto Argonauts in an awkward position because how do you not take Ricky Ray as your number one quarterback 
You have to sign him for a chunk of money. And you don't know whether or not he's going to finish the first game. And you got to pay him for the entire season and then scramble for somebody that's back up. Do you follow that? Do you go? Because he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, bar none. Um, but do you go for the youth? Do you, do you bring James Franklin along? Because, you know, putting your, your horse behind that McLeod Bethel Thompson wagon isn't, isn't all that great there because uh, you can't hitch it to that wagon because he, he's like 30 years old, 30 year old rookie, right? I mean, Jesus, and, and, and he didn't fare too well once people got film on him. So, you know, in all honesty, uh, James Franklin's your, your hope here, unless you can uh, land another fish out of the stream. Maybe you get the mic, work really hard on the Mike Riley thing and uh, see what else you can do. I don't know. I don't know what the Toronto Argonauts are going to do. They're, they're, they're the tire fire this year that we thought they would be last year. And it's not looking any better coming up into 2019. It looks like they're still doing the same shit. Jim Pop is still sitting there with that smug look on his face. And God knows he might end up being the head coach. Wouldn't that just be scary? Charles, talk to us about this team. What do you think's going on? I'm going to run upstairs and get my water. So, Charles, when you're finished, uh, we'll we take off. Just in case I'm not back. Well, in all honesty, the um, this team he said he said it all. I mean, they're a mess. Uh, we expected this last year from them. Then they go out and win a Grey Cup. Then, if I remember, many of us thought they were going to be the best team in the East and maybe even the best team in the league this year. And they're a tire fire. So <laughs> maybe they do it just to prove us wrong or something. No, these these team has got to. Um, has got to figure this out because they don't have a reliable quarterback as far as I'm concerned. Sorry to James Franklin, but you, you uh, had your chance and you showed me nothing. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be crazy about it because quite frankly, uh, you didn't show me that you're ready for prime time. And McLeod Bethel Thomas, he was all right, but he tapered off after some early success. So, um, I really have um, – this team's got to do a lot. They need a new coach. They need a new quarterback. I think they've got to revamp their defense because their defense sure as hell wasn't any good this year. Uh, they need wholesale changes in there, and they got to do it fast. And it's not easy to do in one season. Um, this is not um, exactly what um, – I would call a uh, encouraging uh, team this year. Um, this could be a few years before they get this all straightened out. It'll all depend on who they bring in as coach and whether they make a move to get a quarterback. Now, I'm not sure what quarterback is out there to take, but I sure as hell wouldn't want a, an older and beat-up Ricky Ray starting next year. Um, I didn't think he should have come back this year, and I think uh, those – um, fears and so on were realized because he didn't last a game. And uh, in reality, uh, I think he just got to. There, this is a complete and utter rebuild. They got to tear it down and rebuild it. If I were them, I would probably release James, um, James Wilder Jr. Because quite frankly, I don't think he did anything. You gave him that big raise in the off season. 
and he really didn't do much this year. So after all that whining and crying, he leveled off, and he's looking more and more like a flash in the pan. So, yeah, big deal. Uh, you did nothing for me. Um, I think they really need to just rebuild, bring in a new coach. Bring, uh, they're probably not going to bring in a new GM, and I think Jim Pop is uh, well past his best before date. So they're probably not going to bring in a, a GM. So he's got to be very um, careful about who he hires. He's got to hire a coach that can help turn things around. And he's got to go out and he's got to revamp his team. Now, is he um, capable of doing that? I know Will talked about it recently that he hires coaches just so he can fire and take over his coach himself. If he goes off and does that again, this team's going to be in some trouble for quite a long time. He's not as bad as Kavis Reed, but he's not far off. So, um, I don't know. This is uh, um, might even get worse before it gets better. Uh, but I'll be interested to see what they do to, um, um, you know, who's going to be the coach and who's going to be the quarterback. I think those are two of the, big, the, the two biggest questions going into next year for the Argos. So I'll uh, hand it off to Will. Or are you back, CJ? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I've been back for a while. Okay. Oh, yeah, I rambled on long enough, so. Oh, yeah, no, no worries. No worries, man. Yep. Uh, William, what's your yep. take on the you, strong you, Argonauts? You, you did ramble on, Charles, and I can't uh, disagree with anything, anything. you said. Oh. Anything. Sorry. Um, Toronto is Toronto is dumpster fire number two in the CFL right now. They fired their they fired arguably the best head coach in the CFL. I mean he is only one year removed from a Grey Cup and they fired him after they gave him a huge contract and he's just gonna sit on his couch and count his money and live happily ever after for another year. Um they eventually bowed down to to their running back, their so-called running back. And I don't know. I haven't seen it. I have not seen it. In the two years he's been in the CFL, I don't see what all the hype is about. Okay? And I don't think he's that good. Um, you know, the best player on that team by far and away is S.J. Green. Um, because he always has been, and he puts in some effort. But Toronto's in trouble. They have to revamp. I, I think they they hold on to James Franklin and see what he can do. But I think they got to look for quarterbacks. They got to look for a head coach. Um, and we talked about this on on Sunday on the show. Nobody is going to work for Jim Pop because they know they're going to get fired. If Jim Pop fired Mark Tressman. Or Mark Tressman, I I don't think it was Jim Pop's decision. They got rid of Mark Tressman. Who is going to work for Jim Pop? You're going to have to get a young guy who doesn't have that much experience. You're going to hire him, and then Jim Pop's going to fire him, and then Jim Pop's going to coach, and it just it just keeps on going. It's an ugly circle, and it goes on and on and on. And I think Toronto's in big trouble. 
which does not please me because we need some stronger teams in the East in order to make this league work well. Okay, so I'm not happy about it, but it seems it's the way it always is. And, uh, I mean, you know, even by Toronto winning the Grey Cup last year didn't increase their fan support that much. I think it was slightly better this year. And but not making the playoffs this year, it's going to decrease it again, and they're going to be fighting for seats in the stands once again. So I hope so. Go ahead, CJ. I know. Yeah, I don't have anything to really to add to this dumpster fire. I like I said, they 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 fired the best coach in in the CFL, and why? I have no idea. It just makes absolutely no sense. They said he lost the room. Well, yeah, I don't think there was a room. How do you lose a room that you don't know that's even there? Okay, so that's kind of my state of Toronto Argonauts in their post-mortem. They're just giving last rights. It's this team's done. I Shit, I don't know how they're going to come back from this, and I don't know how they're going to survive. Uh, their owners have great big deep pockets, so I guess they can continue doing it all they want. But shit, I don't know, man. It's it's not good. We need some strong teams in the East. Can we have two crossover teams from the West? Wouldn't that be just freaky? Um, okay. Maybe they should also hire a team president that knows football instead of just you telling know, the soccer guy, "Oh, you handle this too." Yeah, just you don't like the soccer guy. No, I don't, because I don't think he gives a damn. To be honest, I don't. I'm not sure that MLSE period does. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on from the Toronto Argonauts. I have a quest, quick question from you. Do you guys know? Have you heard of a Becca Luongo? Who? Becca Luongo. Uh, kind of like the, like the, the former goalie, only without the U in it. Roberto Luongo. Luongo. I know that's what I'm talking about, Roberto. Okay, this is not his transgender equivalent. This is oh, actually... you beat me to the punchline. <laughs> she is a the first female player, first female uh, athlete to win a scholarship to a U.S. college Division II football school. She's wow. playing football with the boys, and she's wow. pretty hot. Look, this is not like dyke mode here. Um, she's a kicker, and she just absolutely nails it, and uh, they figure that she has a fairly decent shot at getting into the NFL. Yeah, but you just ruined it for me. Why? She's a kicker. You, you said yeah. football player, then you said kicker. Kicker. Yeah, the two of them don't go together, oh, do they? Okay. Like if you told me middle linebacker, then I'd be excited, okay? But she's a kicker. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have said she I was mean, hot. I always thought I always thought most of my kickers when I played football were like girls, okay? They weren't, but they were light girls because their uniforms never got dirty and they never hit anybody. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. But that's cool. 
That's interesting. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that what I just said wasn't politically correct, but that's okay. I don't really care. Yeah, the the, the dyke word, Christopher, didn't did this not that's not gonna go over well, man. Come on. Really? That's not good. Yeah, no, no, sorry, <laughs> but that's okay. They they've grown to love you, and and they know how you are. I I got a friend I call that all the time, and she doesn't seem to mind. So. And 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 she, that she she's that way. So anyhow, uh, let's move on. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. I'm sure. Uh, or I already have. Postmortem, Montreal Alouettes. Dumpster Fire 1.0. This this is the first one. And it uh, doesn't look like it's getting any better. Uh, they're still keeping the uh, their awesome GM, Cavus uh, Reed. That hasn't changed. They haven't said anything about their coach, Mike Sherman. Uh, everything seems to be going to be the status quo for next year. Now, if that's the case, how do you improve on a what four and 14 season Four, sorry five and 13 five and 13 I, I underestimated them by 25 percent apparently five hundred and twelve points against okay in an 18 game season what does that work out to? Too fucking many. 28.45 points per game. That's actually not that bad. But uh, uh, it's the second worst in the league. Toronto was the worst. So, you know, and considering, you know, you got teams like Calgary that's got 336 points against them. So, you know, that's called defense. Uh, You know, and, and 400 from 419 for Winnipeg up to 444 for Saskatchewan, 473 for BC, 471 for Edmonton. You know, the, the mid fours is is a respectable number. Um, 560 is not a respectable number. Nope. Okay. Montreal postmortem. Nothing's changing. John Foman's retiring. Oh my good lord, do can we do we have to put up with another season like this? Will, talk to me about Montreal. <laughs> what is there to say? Okay. Um Go out. I, I don't I don't I don't believe in miracles, but if Cavis <laughs> Reed keeps his job, it's a miracle. Okay? I don't it's think an it absolute is. miracle. I don't think it is. I'd call it a tragedy or a travesty, but I don't know if I'd call it a miracle. Well, in his mind, it'll be a miracle because I, 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 I don't know what's going on there because he signed all those quarterbacks two weeks ago. Does that mean Johnny man? Does that mean Johnny Manziel is coming back or is he going? Or are they going to release him? He's under contract and he is, he said well, he's no, coming back. He said he said he's coming back, but maybe Cavus Reed doesn't want him back. And so John Bowman is retiring. That's a big loss because I still believe he was one of their best players this year. Oh, he was. He's like six, 
He's like 6,000 years old, okay? Almost um, as old as you. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, Montreal just wasn't a good team. I I don't think – I think their coaching staff was okay for what they had to work with. Okay? I, I actually thought Kahari Jones did a better job than he did in B.C., with less talent. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mike Sherman, he was a first-year coach in the CFL. you got to give him at least a couple of years to get his feet wet. Yeah. Um, and and he, had, he had trouble, you know, taking the headphones off. But other than that, he didn't do a bad <laughs> job this year. That was funny. Um, and that was more than once. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I think uh, we talked about this the other day. Um, Standback or whatever the heck his name is, I think he's going to be a pretty decent running back. Right. Looking that way. Um, you know, you think about the wide receivers they have. They have Ernst Jackson, who has done nothing. He's got to be close to retirement. He really does. Well, I don't know. And... Did they? Who else did they have this year that's hurt? I think I can't remember. Um, but they have some good receivers. That Lewis guy is a pretty decent receiver. There's some parts and pieces, and then you look at their defense. They still have Tommy Campbell, and he was shut down this year. Um, on the other side, you got a great quarterback. So they have some bits and pieces, but. I just wonder how Cavis Reed is going to add to it, and and I really think they should they should get new management. To be honest with you, and with new management, they'll probably bring in new coaching staff. Um, they've been a they've been a tire fire for a couple of years now, and last summer we didn't understand how Cavis Reed kept his job last summer or last year, and I don't know how he's going to keep his job this year, but there's been no talk about him getting fired, so I guess we'll see. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm just going through some things here, Uh, just so that you – sorry, Charles. Just give me a second here. Yep. Okay, on the on we've got on the CFL we have the passing stats. Okay, now most teams, except maybe Hamilton, um, pack three quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Hamilton, um, Hamilton only has two, and they're saying that that's a salary cap issue, and that's mm-hmm. okay. You want to know the quarterbacks that hit the field and played football this year for the Montreal Alouette. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Antonio Pipkin. Drew Willie. Jeff Matthews. Vernon Adams. Matt Schlitz. Eugene Lewis. Two, four, six, eight quarterbacks hit the field for the Montreal Alouette this year. Eight. How can you play football and be consistent with that happening? You can't. You absolutely can't. 
Now, Montreal Alouettes have five victories. Johnny Manziel has two. He's got 40% of the victories this year with eight quarterbacks taking the field. I'd say those are pretty damn impressive stats. And, Will, you're asking us, asking everybody if he is going to be released. He's their number one quarterback. Hard to argue that one. I mean, I'm not saying Pipkin isn't. He might have got the other three victories. But, you know, when you got eight quarterbacks and 40% of your victories come from one guy, I don't know. Charles, go ahead. Talk about Montreal. Uh, first of all, I was just looking at the list. It actually is only seven quarterbacks. Eugene Lewis is a um, – Oh, he's a receiver. A, um, he's, a he's a receiver that actually – he threw a couple passes, so that's why his stats go there. Yeah, because I right. was looking at this list, and then I went down to Winnipeg. I'm like, oh, my God, Winnipeg used six quarterbacks. But they didn't. That was just because they had a bunch of other offensive players – Andrew Harris, Andrew Harris, Darvin Adams are not quarterbacks. Andrew Harris, Darvin Adams, and Brian, I don't think Brian Bennett's a quarterback. Oh, yes, he is. My mistake. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, who's the bigger time, dumpster fire? Is it Toronto or is it Montreal? It's almost like these two teams are competing with each other. And what do you know? Look at it. What do these teams have in common? Huh, Jim Pop. Um, um this is really um, a bad football team. Um, uh, their record, uh, you just got to look at their record and uh, see that. But, jeez. Um, oh, this is a team that needs a new uh, general manager. Uh, and I'm not sure they're going to get one. Why have they not fired him by now? Because I have a feeling that's not happening, which is bizarre to me because he should have been fired last – well, first of all, he should, never should have gotten the job in the first place, but He's because he didn't get the job – pardon? He's not a GM. No. He was a coach. He was barely not a, a good coach. One. And I don't know how he ever got the job in the first place. And I don't know how he's kept it. Because he's done a horrifically bad job. He took a bad team and made it worse. Quickly. So why is he still there? And I don't think there are any... I, I just think that this team doesn't want to pay another GM, quite frankly. But they shouldn't be paying this one because it's a waste of money. Hey, he really used. He should resign and he should apologize to the Alouette fans for putting him through this crap. Seven quarterbacks suited up for the Bombers this year. Seven. That means you could have almost used one every two, a new quarterback every two games. And if you look, going back the last couple of years when he's been GM. It's even more than that because they've had other guys in there. Guys like Jonathan Crompton have been there. Brandon Bridge. There's a whole list of um, – uh, well, Vernon Adams is on the list anyways. But if you're going all the way back, they I think they've used something like 15 quarterbacks over the last two years. And well, you I think wonder they had why you have 15 quarterbacks in training camp last year. Yeah. 
in the second week of training camp, they didn't cut any after week one. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can't imagine why uh, they're not um, having any success. It's a joke, this franchise. And they're in the same problems uh, that the Argos in. No one wants to go watch them. And I can't blame the Montreal people. I wouldn't want to pay money to watch that. And until Cavis Reed is no longer general manager in Montreal, things aren't getting better. I'm sorry, it's not. It's just going to get worse. They're going to spin their tires. He's going to make his lousy moves, and they're going to go nowhere. So that's the big thing. you got to get rid of them because until you do, you're not going to have any success with that team. You need a good GM that knows how to build a team, and that sure as hell ain't Cavis Reed. You know, one of the things you guys forgot to mention, I didn't hear you mention it, maybe you did, but we forgot we forgot one quarterback. Who's that? Who? Drew Willie. Oh, no, no. I mentioned Drew Willie. Well, he's, he's, did he you mention him? Oh, okay. Because he played okay, there this year. But, and, he dressed and, for four and, games. I, I, I mean, I'm wondering if they're going to sign him again. Well, they're signing everybody else. I know, I and I mean, they can't cut him right now because he, he's injured. Maybe he is under contract. Yeah, and I think it's it's contract the case. It's hilarious, okay? Well, what, once they I'm come to sorry. free agency, they can release him. Yeah. Yeah. They'll go back in a training camp next year with 11 quarterbacks or something. Or if they cut him, maybe he'll maybe he'll end up in the Alliance Football League because they don't know about him yet. Because <laughs> it's an amazing thing how this guy's been in the league now for what five or six years. Oh, how is more that than possible. That. How is more that than possible? That. And he can't Eight play quarterback, then. but people people keep signing him. <laughs> so make it a number one know, starter. Man. I know. Maybe maybe he looks good. Not only that, okay. the Argos traded for him last year. Oh, and what they traded for him was ridiculous. Yeah, he came into the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2012, so this was his seventh season. And if you, you – if you, yeah, I just – wow. It blows my mind. No, this was his eighth season. Eighth season. Wow. That is no, yeah, gotta I'm be sorry. A it was his, his seventh season. Sorry. I got 2016 down twice there. That was Winnipeg and Toronto. Okay. His status, he's on the six-game injured list. According to Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. No, he's well, – you know, he actually made it to some NFL teams. He made it to the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts, New York Jets, San Diego Chargers. He was training camp fodder. He was a body for them. I don't, did he ever play in a single game? Yeah, he played for the Colts. In a regular season game? Jesus. No. Okay, there you go, how how that would have ever happened, I don't know. 
Uh, it says that he, he uh, signed with the Colts on, in 2009, December 9th. Uh, he was promoted to the active roster on Boxing Day, so December 26, 2009. He was waived on the 29th and re-signed to the practice squad. He signed a futures contract on February 11th and was released in July. So, yeah, no. But he, he made the team. So that's kind of scary. Okay. Uh, we're going to put that in bed. Uh, the next postmortem is the Edmonton Eskimos. Now, this is definitely the better of the three teams that did make the playoffs. In fact, this team's actually better than some of the teams that made the playoffs. Okay? Their record is better than the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Tiger Cats finished 8-10. and 10. When it, uh, Edmonton finished 9-9. Nine and nine. This is where we come back and discuss the, the, the travesty of the Canadian playoff format. But we're not going to do that because we're just going to talk about the Edmonton Eskimos. This team is out of the playoffs and destined for nothing. Okay? Now, here's the kicker. Jason Moss, according to Dave Campbell on Ched Radio, Jason Moss tonight on the Eskimo Coaches Show says that the decision has been made about his future. He will be back as the head coach for 2019. Says he is leaning towards not being the OC. Likely will promote from within the coaching staff. Okay, so nothing's changing in Edmonton. Same GM, same coach. How do we expect them to be better? Well, they didn't have to be much better. All they had to do was win the season series against BC, and they would have been in the crossover position. So you have to give them a little bit of credit there. So I don't really know what's going to happen with Edmonton and why. Kind of scary. Okay, Charles, go ahead. Well, uh, I was of the belief that – Jason Moss was not coming back, so obviously I got that one wrong. Um, I, boy, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know why they would bring Jason Moss back. I don't think he's done anything to warrant being brought back. Um, they're not getting any better. Uh, he acts like a child on the sidelines throwing stuff around. I'm not convinced that the relationship between um, – between uh, Jason Moss and uh, Mike Riley is very good, uh, despite what they say publicly. And if he, that's very uh, key because um, Jason Moss, of course, or excuse me, Mike Riley, of course, is about to become a free agent. So I'm not convinced that he will want to resign with them. Uh, being that uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe they have a fine relationship. From what I see on the sidelines, it sure as hell doesn't look like it. And, um, yeah, that's um, going to be interesting to see going forward. And Brock Sunderland, I'm sorry, but he has done nothing to impress me as a GM to this point. Now, he's only been there a year. I think he at least uh, is owed one more year to try and right the ship. But, boy, he put together a terrible defense. And 
and the defense struggled all year, and he did <laughs> nothing to try and fix it. So I got to put some very um, much um, some of the blame onto him. And he better go out and find some good defensive players because if this team is a, a crappy defense uh, again, it's going to be on him. I'm sorry. So uh, he's got to improve that team. Uh, and if he doesn't, um, Jason Moss won't be the only one leaving next year. So hmm. uh, this oh, team has got to – sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. You're so, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say this team uh, better figure this out real quick. Um, we'll see if Riley resigns there. I have certainly have my doubts, if, especially if Moss uh, isn't, is, is coming back. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, be interested to see how that, um, how that plays out. And they better fix that defense because that was their Achilles heel. I think uh, they had an offense that was good enough to make the playoffs. Their defense was just simply crap. And if it doesn't get any better, that team is going nowhere next year either. How does your offense not perform with Mike Riley, Martise Jackson, Duke Williams, Terrell Walker, and C.J. Gable? I would say they did perform pretty well this year. Um, They've got pretty good numbers up. They just gave up too many points. So they would score some points, but the problem is they wouldn't um they gave up too many. They were the third highest scoring team in the league. Exactly. So the offense wasn't the problem in Edmonton. The problem was they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, they had terrible numbers on the defense. Terrible numbers. Yeah, okay. But, you know, they had a, a, a great offense, uh, but they didn't have an O-line because we were watching Mike Riley scramble for his life most of the games. So that's kind of kind of sad. I mean, you need defensive backs, and he, he, and he needs a D-line, and he needs an O-line. Sutherland has to yep. get his shit together, or it's not going to happen. And uh, back to your thing about Mike Riley. Now, I'm not saying where Mike Riley should be going and um, – and anything else, but um, I don't understand why he's not signing a contract right now. And Edmonton Eskimos either have to sign him or they have to move him. Because if he's going to play, you know, this latency game with the CBA, free agency is February 15th. The CBA is not going to get signed till the 11th hour before training camp, if that even happens, which is going to be the end of May. That means that there is three months, two, two and a half months, for every team in the CFL to court him that needs to. Yep. And either throwing a bucket of money at him or throwing him hope, of at least a playoff position, if not a, a shot at the break up. I mean, honestly, you, you put Mike Riley on just about any team in the CFL and you've got a great up contender. I don't know if there's any team out there that's worse than Edmonton. I think that maybe Montreal and Toronto. 
But even Toronto, he could even make Toronto a playoff team in the Eastern Division. So, you know, it, it, it's a tough one. I don't understand why they don't have this guy locked up already unless he is absolutely destined to leave. Destined to leave. Because otherwise he would be wanting to sign a contract for as much as he wants he can get right now. You don't play wait and see because you're not going to get that score. He's one of the highest paid quarterbacks now, if not the highest paid, and should be. Yep. I don't know. William, talk to us about the Edmonton Eskimos. You're one of your favorite teams, I know. Oh, yes, and I, I just hate when Edmonton struggles because I'm a huge fan of them. Um, you know, I, I I should go down the highway and watch all their games. My first question is, you see this every year when a team is hosting the Grey Cup. If they have a weak team before the season starts, they go out and they sign free agents. Or they do everything, like Saskatchewan did it, I think, in 2013. Like, they sign everybody they can, so they're more or less guaranteed they'll get to the Grey Cup in their hometown. Edmonton did not do any of that this year. No. And uh, you tend to wonder what was going on with that. Yeah, me too. And... So Jason Moss says he may not be the offensive coordinator next year and he's going to promote from within. I've got the Edmonton Eskimos coaching staff up on my screen right now. And the only guy I've ever heard of really is Mike Benavides. Okay. Um, And then there's a couple of defensive assistants that I only know about them because they were players. But everybody else, I've never heard of most of these guys. So who is he going to promote from within? Last year, he had put probably one of the best young offensive coordinators in football, and he let him get away to the NFL. And obviously that guy realized that Jason Moss had some sort of ego, so he wasn't going to happen at all. So that's probably why he left. Um you know, I I think uh, the biggest problem with Edmonton this year was their defense, and when that's the case, you know who you got to get rid of. You get rid of the defensive coordinator, and okay. I think uh, I think there's a good chance Mike Benavides may be gone this year. I well, mean, I think he will be. they I did. Yeah, could be. They did fire their special teams coordinator this year. About three or four games ago, yippee—that's that—that's like an NHL team shaking up their team, and they take their fourth line guys and send them to the minors and bring up some other fourth line guys. It's the same yeah. thing, okay? So they, on paper, they have you know their offense. They have some great receivers. They got a great running back on their defense. Their defensive line. I think they got some pretty good players on their defensive line. I'm always making fun of uh, Quattro Boateng, but he played very well this year, and he was the leader on the defensive line, and I think he's only going to get better. So they have some good base, but I don't know if Brock Sunderland and Jason Moss are the guys. 
If if I was an Edmonton fan, I'd want both of those guys gone. Well, for sure, and, the Eskimo fans are calling for Jason Moss's head. Yeah. And and the jury's out 50-50 on, on Brock Sunderland. But then on the other hand, you know, Jason Moss is a bit of a is a bit of an icon in Edmonton because he did play there for many years. And as Mark is always telling everybody, you know, the most popular player on every team is the backup quarterback. And that was Jason Moss. Yeah. Okay. But um, he just, I don't know. There's something about him that just doesn't work. And he's got to get those emotions under, under control because There's not many head coaches in the CFL that you see have temper tantrums on the sidelines. You ever see Wally have a temper tantrum? You ever see John Huffnagel have a temper tantrum? No. Dave Dickinson? All those guys, okay? Like, come on. Like, grow up, grow a set, and become a head coach. Pretty simple. We did see Kent Austin have a temper tantrum and slap a ref. Right, but yep. he's no longer a head coach, is he? No, nope. nope. Person's non I think Ken, I think Ken Austin would look good in Edmonton too. So, no, because you know Ken Austin is going to try and build a team. Yeah. So if they fire Mike Benavides, I would say that the natural replacement in house would be Baron Miles. Yeah. Brilliant football mind. Okay. So, and if, if Jason Moss is going to give up the offensive coordinator, I don't know about enough about Mike Gibson, who is the offensive line and uh, run game coordinator, but I would tend to lean to who is the offensive quality control coach. And just from his years in BC, this man had a football mind. You knew that, the, and for an O lineman, this guy knew the game inside and out. So I'm looking at the rest of the coaches. There's nobody else here I would be, I would be promoting. But then I don't know them personally. So, yeah. So, big question: Does Mike Riley resign? I, I I really think he's looking for the CBA. Um, but you know what happens if uh, you know BC has a good run in the playoffs and uh, Travis Lulay decides, hey, yeah, you know what, I'm done. I've had enough. Oh, I don't know Mike if Riley's that's up. Probably... To, that's going to be up to Travis Lulay. No. Well, true, but okay. I'm looking at, and and I mean Ed Hervey has to have a relationship with uh, Mike Riley. Okay, so. Well, here's here's the draw know. tickets. Here's the draw tickets that I see for uh, Mike Riley coming to BC. Okay, first off, yes, he has a great relationship with Ed Hervey. His best friend is a gentleman by the name of Tory Hunter. Tory Hunter is the one of the. Uh, Scouts, head scouts for the BC Lions. He came over with Ed Hervey. Okay. Uh, Mike Riley is from central Washington, two hours from Vancouver. Okay. 
place called Kennewick. Uh, that's where the grandparents of his new child are, live. Okay? His wife wants to be closer to her parents. Um, Mike's a football, or a, a big fishing buddy with Travis Lule, who anybody in the BC Lions organization and fan base knows that Travis is going to be the next quarterback coach. So there's just a lot of draws for Mike Riley coming to BC. I'm not saying by any stretch of the means it's a done deal, because I, I don't believe that it is, and I would not be surprised to see him re-signed in Edmonton next week or the week after or next month. Um, and and it should be. Edmonton can't afford to lose him. But the, the, other draw- thing, the other thing, the other thing you have to look at is there are at least five other teams in the CFL. If Mike Riley's a free agent, they're going to go after him. Who? Okay. Montreal, uh, possibly Ottawa. Winnipeg Ottawa, would be stupid not to. Hamilton. Right. Hamilton would be one with um, Mazzoli, but I, I'd swap Mazzoli for fucking Mike Riley any day of the week. I don't think there's a team in the CFL that wouldn't want Mike Riley. No, I agree. I agree. But, you I mean, know, he would make the Mitchell the free agent. Yeah, he, he would yeah, make the Bull, I, better. Well, Levi, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, if someone comes along and offers him a stack of money, he's also, I know it's, it's nice to think you're closer to your family in Vancouver, blah, 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 blah. But he's not getting any younger. And these are his prime earning years in the CFL. And yeah. a lot of guys will go where the money goes. So He's 33 years old. How many years of football does he have left the way he plays? Three, Seriously. maybe. Yes. Three, you know? Maybe. Yeah. So he has to make the making hay while the sun's shining, and right now he's this, these are his highest paying years. He needs the most amount of money in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he can make a mill and a half in the next three years, which would be nice. So yeah, I pretty much think that he will follow the money regardless of where it is. And Ed Hervey is going to open up the purse strings. If if Wally Bono was the GM, I would be wouldn't be saying this, but uh, Ed Hervey knows what he's got there. And uh, BC Lions will give him the biggest offer. I got it. I would think so. Yeah. You, you, you can't walk away from that. And, uh, you know, and, it, and, it, and Travis Lewis turns around and wins BC at Grey Cup. Uh, how do you, how do you put, put him out the path here? How do you? And I'm not saying BC is going to win the Grey Cup, and I'm not even anticipating that. And I, you know, it's going to be a long shot to get them out of the East. Um, but it's possible any given Sunday. Right. And on the other hand, you got you also got to look at Toronto. Okay, Ricky Ray retires. Okay, um, what's his name hasn't done that well this year. Bethel James Thompson. Franklin. Who cares? James Franklin, and and there's some freed up money without Ricky Ray, guaranteed. So you know, you never know. Ironic? Wouldn't that just be ironic for the Argos to sign 
Mike Riley and have James Franklin as his backup in Toronto? Probably yeah, but as far as, off somewhat. as as far as I'm concerned, James Franklin is a backup quarterback. He hasn't proved anybody differently this year. So, oh, he has not. He's never proved to be anything other than that. Mm-hmm. Nope. Ever. So, anyhow. Okay. That's our post-mortem on the Edmonton Eskimos. Way more fun than Toronto and Montreal. More speculation, more everything. I, you know, There's something hey, there to hey. talk about. Ed, yes, exactly. Edmonton is a decent team. I'm not, not writing them off at all. I mean, they played 500 football this year. 500 football is, is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. In a nine-team league, five teams are going to be below 500. No, three were. Mm-hmm. We, if Calgary had walked away with their 16 wins this year or 17 wins this year, there's no way that we would have only three teams under 500. No, that's but, yeah. true. I agree. So should Hamilton Tiger Cats be in the playoffs with a lesser record than the Edmonton Eskimos? There's a big question, eh? I know, Will. We're not going to talk about that. Well, okay. it's just a pointless, stupid conversation. Hey, I was going to make you a one little announcement before we finish with Edmonton. Okay. Um, there, there's a particular ex-podcaster out there. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. You know who you are. If you want to call me and sell me your Grey Cup tickets, I, I'd be open, okay? So, you know, PM me, and, and we can negotiate. Because I know you don't want to go. Because your team's not in it, so why don't you give me a call? You know who you are. If anybody wants to uh, give up their uh, tickets to the Grey Cup in uh, Edmonton, give Will a call. Yep. I know you, you would find that very uh, entertaining. Yeah, okay, sure. the Maritime Football Inc. Limited corporation, whatever, are conducting a season's ticket drive and name the team contest with no finalized stadium deal. Isn't this putting the cart before the horse? No. No, it's not. Because if there's no fan interest in this town, why would you build a stadium? I don't believe there's enough fan support here to buy season's tickets to make this a viable team. And this is where we're going to find out whether or not this team crashes. Why would you invest $100, $200, 300000000 million into a stadium when you do not have the promise from the fans to come and watch the game? Why would you be Toronto? Makes no sense. Charles, your thoughts? I kind of think it is, though. So I think they should at least have at least a stadium deal in place before they start selling tickets because uh, are people going to be worried saying, well, they don't even have a stadium. What am I buying tickets for? So at least have it in place and then run the season ticket drive. And if it doesn't work, then you can cancel the stadium. 
But uh, right now, people are saying, well, I'll believe it when I see it. We don't have a stadium yet, so what am I going to waste my time for? So I, I can see it going both ways. What they, the deal is on the season ticket. If they're asking for, you know, a, a commitment yeah. or they ask for $10 or they ask them for 50 bucks, it's they a, it's a, for $50. Yeah. You know? It's a $50 deposit. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I'm sure you know it's refundable. So I guess there's little, little risk here. I, I, I would put 50 bucks down on the possibility of having a football team in my town. Yeah, fair enough. Fifty bucks is not a loss, you know. I I I've spent no. way more money on dumber ideas. Good point. So, um, you know, I, I I don't think this is putting the cart before the horse. Just simply because I wouldn't make a commitment to two hundred million dollar stadium or two three hundred million dollar stadium without knowing that I've got fourteen thousand or eighteen thousand season tickets committed to. Okay, I can understand that. And uh, you know that to to me it makes no sense. Even even to put a, a stadium deal in place, like you say, that's going to cost a lot of money. Just in the negotiations and and everything else is going to cost money. Never mind some type of commitment to make that yeah. deal, put that deal in place, which is not going to be refundable. True, and they got to right? put in a bunch of money for environmental studies and this and that. So. That's not yeah. all. None of that's uh, free, so. No, it's not. And, you know, and uh, do they even have a commitment? Do they have a physical commitment to the league? Have they paid their $8 million franchise fee? You know, that, there's another question. I mean, there's a lot of money that's got to come out before they can start doing anything. So making a season ticket drive to find out the interest from the fans right now makes a hell of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. William. Come on, businessman extraordinaire. What was that? Who said that? That's your name, not mine. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yes it is. Um, um, you know what? I, I guess it's one way to it's one way to figure out if there's even that much interest. Because bottom line, people can say they're interested all they want. Let's see. Let's see the money. Okay. Make a commitment. Okay. Fifty bucks is only fifty bucks. Okay. Let's see what happens. And. I think this is ideal because, you know, the the old saying, if you build it, they will come, is not necessarily true, okay? If you build it, it could be empty for the rest of your life because maybe there's not that interest. And, I mean, I mean, there is lots of interest in football down there as far as college football goes and stuff like that. So maybe there will be interest in the CFL. We'll see. Um I would probably never go to a CFL game in Halifax, but then on the other hand, you never know, right? But no, it's a good idea for sure to I want see where people are standing. Atlantic game in Moncton. I was really close what to doing that? that. I was going to go to the Touchdown Atlantic game in Moncton back about four years ago. Okay. I thought that would have been interesting. 
Mm-hmm. You ever friend. been? You ever been? Yeah, to, I, you, ever, you ever been to Moncton, Christopher? No, no, I haven't. I've never been to any of the maritime provinces. The furthest I got back was Quebec, and that was unfortunate. <laughs> okay. I don't see me going been, back that, that province ever again. I've been everywhere out there, and good. And Nova Scotia is a pretty Nova Scotia is a pretty nice place. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Yeah, Very I think nice they all place. are in their own way. And as a matter I mean, of fact, I was looking on I was looking online the other day. You know, here's a thought: I found a I found a house in yeah. Lewisburg, Nova Scotia, six thousand square feet, five acres. It was uh, one ninety nine. Yeah. Good lord. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice place. I, so, I got a friend yeah. of mine who who bought, and this was back a few years ago, bought a 12-bedroom house on a cliff overlooking the ocean just outside of uh, Halifax. Uh, bed and breakfast, it's on an estate, you know, four, two, three acres or something like this. Big workshop, everything else on it. He he, he bought this thing for $160,000. And it's amazing. You know, you couldn't build a house out here for 10 times that. There's only one problem. It's Nova Scotia. You have to live there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, his answer to that, I says, you know, they got really bad winters back there. And he says, yes. And I have the means to go to Florida. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was thinking at the time. Yep. I would spend three months someplace warm. Yeah, or closer to five. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's kind of what the, the thing that it would be. So, yeah, when you sell your house out here for a couple million dollars and you go back then you buy some massive place for one ninety nine, you you got a chunk of coin in the bank to uh, retire properly. Yep. I don't know what the real estate's like in Calgary, but I know that it's pretty crazy in B.C. Nuts. Although I've heard it's leveling out a little bit, but I don't know exactly what that means. Until the next time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we finished with the the Maritime Football Organization here, which is soon to be the Atlantic Schooners. I have no doubt in my mind that that's the name it's going to be. The the company went off and purchased the trademark for that name. You don't do that unless you're going to use it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, I mean, oh, yeah, everybody's going to say the Atlantic Schooner, so they're going to put all the names in the hat, and they're going to draw a name out, and you get three season tickets. Okay. Now let's go back to Randy Ambrosi. He's the CFL commissioner that used to play football. And I think he's uh, got one of, what is it called? Concussion syndrome? There's an initial acronym for that, but Anyhow, he has issued a warning to the teams about tampering after reports of some teams contacting assistants about potential coaching vacancies. Is this more of a show than a serious warning? Well, why are you issuing a warning? The rule has been in place since your predecessor put it there, Jeffrey Orridge, and you get a fine of $50,000 and you lose a draft pick. Slam them! 
We've had two teams right now, Edmonton being one of it, and who is the other one? Toronto? That have publicly stated that they were looking at other – they've talked to other assistants out there to be their head coaching position. Brock Sutherland said this about the Edmonton Eskimos replacing Jason Moss. And he said, yeah, well, I don't know what we're going to do with Jason Moss. I'm out uh, interviewing other people right now for the job. I'm sorry. How can he defend himself when he says this on, on, to the media? All you have to do is go and talk to the assistants around the league and find out who, if anybody's contacted them. It's tampering. Slam them. But, you don't have but to is it he out. Yeah. Is he not allowed if he gets permission? It, 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 there's too many teams out there that he asked permission to. And you have to ask permission from the league. Okay, right. You're right. And, and and besides that, the fucking season's not over yet. There's still teams playing for a foot for 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 the Grey Cup. Just because your team's a loser and you're out of the playoffs doesn't mean that the other teams aren't. Leave them alone. Let them concentrate on winning the big game. Now, if coming up this week, BC and Hamilton, one of them's out of the playoffs, then you go talk to their coaches. But not before, not when they're preparing for a game. Jesus Christ. I, I, I cannot believe that these games are so low that they would do that. I know Saskatchewan did it with Chris Jones. And the rumor is he actually signed two weeks, signed with the, the Riders two weeks before the, uh, the great game. So, so, you know, that, that's just, he's a ditch pig and so is the team, the organizations. But we don't. We're not surprised by the Riders doing this, but you know we are surprised with Edmonton doing this after they're the ones that got burned by Saskatchewan and Chris Jones. Yeah. So does that mean you just and and that's why the rule was created? That and I guess Edmonton trying to steal Noel Thorpe from Winnipeg or from Montreal, which got reversed by Orridge. Okay, so why a warning? Why would you issue a warning? You want to stop tampering? Slam somebody. Yeah. Especially a okay. guy that admitted it. Yeah. Seriously. Come on. First round draft pick, $50,000. Do you know why uh, Islamic states cut the hand off of thieves? Because it works. You gotta slap these people, and and right now issuing a, this weak ass warning is not slapping anybody. No. Oh, please don't do this again. Well, what's your thought? Well, yeah, no, the rule's already there and it's in place, and you shouldn't tamper with anybody else's coaches, and they should be fined immediately. Period. End of story. Yeah. There's no warnings. I mean, the rule is there. It's there, okay? You don't, you don't, okay? Mind you, I mean, I've gotten off of, you know, speeding tickets. The rule was already there, but cops have been nice to me and let me go. But on the other hand, you know, I mean, if you do something wrong, you should be fined. It's that simple. Right, but... 
just back to your speeding ticket thing here for a second. They let you off on it, but, you know, there's still a, a little bit of proof there that has to come through. There's a court case that has to happen or if you challenge the ticket, this, that, and everything else. I mean, we had a guy out here in B.C. on a bike that had his GoPro on it and clocked himself doing 210 kilometers an hour going down the uh, island highway in, you know, on Vancouver Island. And they actually hunted him down and uh, confiscated his bike. They didn't even catch him. Okay? So when there's indisputable proof yep. that you have done something wrong, it's not time for a warning. No. It, it, it's not. You got anything else? No, that's about it. There's not much more to say. It's Charles. pretty black and white. Charles, what's your thoughts here? Is you the warning committed a war- enough? strong enough? Yeah, you, that- you, you've admitted to committing a murder, so we're going to warn you. If you do that again, you're going to jail. That's essentially the same thing. I mean, no, uh, it's not. It, well, not quite, but you know what I mean. Uh, look at what are you warning people for? What what they already know the rules, or at least they're supposed to. They're playing. They're they're managing a football team. So why is there a warning? You did it. You admitted to doing it. So why are you not being fined? What are we waiting for? It's not like, um, especially when the guy admits it. You've admitted it, so what is there to uh, to warn people about? You, you, you're the one that screwed up. Uh, it seems kind of chi- stupid for the league not to do it because uh, they want if they don't want teams tampering. Um, you know. Don't, uh, you know, make them pay the punishment. So what if another team goes out and does that, and then he tries to find him? He's like, well, this team got a warning. Why are they getting special treatment? See, see what he does? He just, he, he makes it far more, um, far more harder on himself than just laying down the law right from the beginning. You did it. Uh, sorry. You, uh, you get, um, you get fined. You know the rules. You didn't take it seriously, boom, that's it. But he didn't do that, and whatever, it's going to be a warning, and we'll see what happens in the next time we do it. Is there going to be a further warning? We'll see what happens. Okay. So that's kind of it, eh? Yeah. I don't know what else to say about this. It's just like, Granny Ambrosi needs to be fired. And do so before we get the CBA happening, because this is going to be a disgusting uh, negotiations where we're going to end up with a strike. It's it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And we've got this limp dick commissioner. It's just I don't know. I have I don't like him. I never have. There was no reason to get rid of the last commissioner. He was doing an awesome job. He was probably the best commissioner we've ever had in the CFL. And I know there's people out there that hate him because, hey, what did he do? He slammed the riders for breaking the rules. Yeah, so the rider fans hate him. Who's surprised by that? Nobody. Okay. 
let's uh, we're going to jump the next segment and go down to John Gott's beer celebration. The league issued a memo prohibiting the use of alcohol and drugs in any future celebrations. Was this a necessary move to prevent celebrations from getting out of hand? Yeah. You know, you couldn't find John Gott because there was no rule saying that he couldn't do this beer guzzling, okay? But there is. There's actually laws against it. So it's not a... Yes, I understand that the you can buy beer in the football stadium, but that's a liquor licensed area. Okay? It's li- it's done by the province. You can't take beer into certain sections. You can't take beer outside the stadium. You can't take beer onto the field. He's breaking the liquor laws by doing this. It's it's not part of the that's not part of the the public or the fan type of thing that is got a liquor license to it. I mean, you go into a bar and you're not allowed to take things out into the smoking area. You're not allowed to take your drink out there. You're allowed to go on the patio, but that's a smoking area. So you have to leave your drink, go outside, go have a smoke. You can't bring your beer there. Why? It's against the law. So I don't think this is any different. He shouldn't have been allowed to do that. Do we find him? No, I don't. I think it's over with. It's stupid. It was childish that he did it, and we've moved on, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But the league at that point in time should have came out with a very strong statement saying that this type of action is not acceptable. They shouldn't have waited a week. They shouldn't have gone, oh, ho-hum. Yeah, we're not going to find him because I don't think it's necessary. And then four days later, come out and say, you know what? I think maybe we shouldn't have this type of uh, celebration anymore. So we're going to create a rule to, do, to stop this. But yeah, we know that their tampering rule doesn't mean squat. So does that mean that the player doing this isn't going to get fined? Oh, no, sorry. The players do get fined. It's the management that never get fined. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm at a loss on this one. I don't really think there's anything more to say about it unless you guys really have anything. You covered it pretty much what I would have said. My wife just sent me a video. I think it goes back to employer-employee relationships. Are you guys allowed Mm -hmm. to, Charles, are you allowed to drink beer at work? Uh, Not to my knowledge. Okay. I actually, it's in in our, it's our, in our employment, employment agreement. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe we have to say things like that, but we do. Because recently, I just did an addendum to it saying, guess what? You're not allowed to smoke drugs at work either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. because it's become legal all of a sudden. And, I mean, I think it's so stupid that I have to do something like that, but you got to cover your bases. And in reality, John Gott was drinking at work. Yep. One hundred percent. So I mean, uh, where we are, where where we got this contract, I had to sign an agreement that there was no not to be any drugs, alcohol, or firearms, and I kind of protested the firearms part, but we're we're just not allowed to have it there. And even when I was, I owned a winery. Okay, we had a rule that there's not one person was allowed to drink when we're working. Okay. What you do after hours is 100% up to you. But while we're in Absolutely. at work, you are not allowed to consume alcohol. Not even 
if your your you know your customer says, "Oh, here, yeah, have a drink with me." No, you're not allowed to do it. You can't even have a sip of it. It wasn't allowed. Now, yeah, that's my business. That doesn't mean that other wineries do the same thing, but that was my philosophy: is you, you're here to work. You're not here to drink. I don't want in, intoxicated employees. I don't want the liability of allowing my employees to, to drink at the, at the job. You just don't do it. Anyhow, okay, we got to move on here. My wife just sent me a video clip of the, the uh, San Francisco 49ers cheerleader taking a knee in this week's game. Did you see it? I haven't seen it, but I did hear about it. Yeah, fans are losing their mind over this. <sighs> Oh my God! Who cares? <laughs> I don't. I just—it's just blowing my mind. Okay, let's get over to something really important here, and this is the. Um, oh, geez, I just sent you guys to the farm. Okay, um, podcast up here. Where's the link? Divisional All-Stars. This is the guys who made the cut from each team. Everybody's been a, an All-Star in your, on your team, but, you know, only the West puts out a quarterback. Only the East puts out a quarterback. So in the West, the quarterback of record is for the MOP award is Bo Levi Mitchell. He's had three well, or four the All-Stars. And this is the All-Stars, yes. This is the yes. CFL All-Stars voted by the um, the press. Um, quarterback is Bo Levi Mitchell in the West. He's had three or four bad games at the end of the season here and whatever else. He didn't have an amazing season, but he's still third overall in, in, in yards. So, you know what? Who out here could you could have replaced him? I, yeah, there could be argument for Mike Riley, but they didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, that's a pretty big mark over that one. So, yeah, Bo Levi's pretty much got the vote here. It's hard hard to give it to anybody else. Anybody arguing? Nope. Uh, I could make a case for Bo Levi Mitchell because this is more based on individual performance than it is on team performance. But I have no problem with Bo Levi Mitchell. But I could have given it to Mike Riley. I, only because there's nobody else. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you could you could make an argument for Mike Riley. You could make an argument for Duke Williams. Yep. Right? But bottom line is they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, in the East, it's Jeremiah Mazzoli. Now, that would have been a tough call between him and Trevor Harris. I mean, you know, they're like number two, number four in passing yards. Uh, Harris would end up with the Eastern Division Championship. Championship, but uh, divisional title. Uh, I, you know, there's there's some pretty good arguments there. Uh, but Mazzoli ended up with it, and uh, so be it. Anybody arguing there? Nope. No. No. Uh, it's okay. Uh, running back in the West, Andrew Harris. Got the rushing title. It's hard not to give it to him, right? Yeah, I don't know who else to give it to. Yeah, there's nobody else standing uh, standing out in in the Western Division. Well, the guy so, leads yeah. in rushing. Yeah, exactly. And William Powell in Ottawa, that's really a hard one to, to argue with, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Uh, receivers, uh, three receiver, four receivers from each side. Uh, 
Darvin Adams from Winnipeg, Brian Burnham from BC, Duke Williams from Edmonton, and Kamar Jordan from Calgary. The only one I really – oh, and Darrell Walker and from Darryl Edmonton. Walker, there's five receivers. So it's pretty hard yeah. for me to argue with any of these guys except for maybe Kamar Jordan. Um, you know, he's out for the season, so, you know, that's a hard one to, to, to really in, throw in here. But you extrapolate his numbers throughout the season. He was pretty amazing. Um, you think there's somebody else that should be in there? You could have put Naaman Roosevelt from Saskatchewan in there. I had a Kamar Jordan. Yeah. He's the only one I can really think of. Yeah, there's nobody on BC I would throw there. Nope. Okay, uh, over on the eastern side of things, uh, in receiver, they got Brandon Banks, Brad Sinopoli, Luke Tasker, Greg Ellingson, and S.J. Green. Oh, geez. I can't argue with any of it. Luke Tasker, I think this is only because the, the, the league sucks, or the division sucks, that you can't find anybody else. Well, I'm not no. taking anything away from Luke Tasker, but, you know, he's not the best of the best. He certainly wouldn't have got the, the nod in the Western Division. Brad Sinopoli probably would have got it in the Western Division and probably would win the Western Division. Yep. There you go there. Um, Okay, back over to offensive tackles. Stanley Bryant from Winnipeg and Derek Dennis from Calgary. Amazing how Derek Dennis is an all-star in Calgary, goes to Saskatchewan, and he gets released and then goes back to Calgary, and he's an all-star again. Mm Mm-hmm. Got to say something about the offensive system in in, in Saskatchewan, yeah. doesn't it, or or lack thereof? Uh, you know, if you remember, if you remember correctly, uh, Stanley Bryant was also uh, a choice when he was in Calgary. So, oh yeah, I think oh, yeah. it's the system. And know, not arguing, so. not absolutely not arguing there. Uh, in uh, in Ottawa. We have uh, Sir Vincent Rogers and Chris Van Zeel from Toronto. Wow, a Toronto O-lineman. There's two of them. O-lineman. Oh, yeah, yes, two of them. Yeah, Ryan Bauman. Ryan, yeah. Offensive guards is Brendan Labatt and uh, Suk Chung in Winnipeg. Uh, There's your Westerns. And uh, Brandon Rievenberg and Ryan Bauman in Toronto. And then what's the last one there that's uh, center? Center, yeah. Matthias Goosen, Gossen, and Alex Matthias. Kind of almost the same names, only backwards in Ottawa. Okay, hard to argue there. Um, So Calgary's got one, two, three on that. Uh, BC's got one. Winnipeg's got... Five. Saskatchewan's got one. One. Edmonton's got a couple. Ottawa's got the selections, from what I understand. They 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 got eleven. And next was BC and Winnipeg with seven each. Uh, over to defense, defensive tackles: Micah Johnson and Devon Coleman. Devon from Coleman, BC, who just got re-signed. Yeah. Uh, in Hamilton, it would be Ted Laurent and Cleon Lang in Toronto. 
Hard to argue with these positions, man. Defensive uh, mm-hmm. end Willie Jefferson in Saskatchewan and Charlton Hughes in Saskatchewan. Great tandem. Uh, without question, uh, you could uh, put some argument in there for Sean uh, uh, Lemon, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, A.C. Leonard and John Bowman in Montreal. I was just going to say, I think the reason Sean Lemon probably didn't get put in there, uh, or at least one of the reasons, is that he played his best football this year after he was traded, which was about halfway through the year. So his first half wasn't all that strong. I'm surprised they put Charlton Hughes in here after his DUI. Yeah. Just because I thought that that was when the selections were made. So that was a pretty big mark. Uh, Linebacker, Adam Bighill and Alex Singleton. Hard to argue that one. Either of those. Uh, Larry Dean and Enoch Mwamba. Hey, look, Montreal's got somebody. Montreal's got a player. Wow. Well, John Bowman, too. Sorry, yes, that's right. They've got three defensive players. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh... Otha Foster from BC got the linebacker position there, and uh, Don Unumba in Hamilton. What is CLB? I don't know. I was going to ask. Center center linebacker? It would be a middle linebacker. linebacker. And there'd be a Sam Sam backer and a Will. So what's a CLB? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe it stands for center linebacker. I don't know. It it, it would be a middle linebacker, right? And and it even if he was a, you know a nickelback, it, it would be different. Yeah. Okay. Cornerback Anthony Orange from BC and Siante Evans Siante in Calgary. Uh, Delvin Bro, Bro in Hamilton and Jonathan Rose in Ottawa. Again, can't argue with these guys. They're they're definitely all stars. Halfback Ed Gainey and TJ Lee, uh, Dorico Murray and. Kareel Brooks in Hamilton? Never even heard Kareel of him. Brooks, yeah. That's probably a good thing on defense if you never hear somebody. At safety, Ter- uh, Taylor Loeffler? I don't fucking believe that. Me either. I, no. I, you know, seriously? That's the best safety in the, in the Western Division is Taylor Loeffler? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not buying that one at all. Sorry. And Brandon Dozier in Montreal. Hmm. Special teams, there's only three of them. Brent Lawther is a kicker, Ty Long for a uh, punter, and a special teams return guy, Chris Rainey in B.C. And in the east, uh, Lewis Ward, Ottawa Richie Leon, and Deontay Spencer. Oh, looks like Ottawa got the sweep of the special teams division, eh? Yep. <laughs> I'm actually a little bit surprised that Chris Rainey is the uh, – the special teams returner, only because he's actually been in and out of the lineup. I know he's been hurt lately, but he was also in and out earlier in the year. But, I mean, nobody else has stood out for a special teams returner, not in the West. No. No. Right. I mean, it's still in jail in, in the States, yep. so. Yeah, I don't even know if his black eyes have healed. <laughs> mm. Jesus. You just say that. <laughs> what? 
Well, yeah, he got beat up really bad. Did you see the swelling in his face? He did. Yes, I, I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, think he, it was. I don't think it was from punches. It's 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 when they drove him into the concrete. Okay, that's where he yeah, got the face that probably from. Didn't I help. think. Curb no. smashing him. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt at all. You fight. You fight the police. Bad things are going to happen to you, okay? Well, especially if there's more than one. Uh-huh. You know, I've gone one-on-one with a couple of them and, 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 and done pretty well. But, you know, if there's more than one there, you don't do that kind of garbage. They cheat. They don't fight fair. Okay? They got sticks and guns and tasers, and they use them. Yep. Okay. There is your all-star selections. I, 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 I'm, I can't argue with any of them. Well, except Loeffler. Loeffler, maybe. And, I, and I, I honestly don't think that any of the Winnipeg fans would argue with that either. Todd, you're listening to the show. Do you think Loeffler? They complain about him all the time. Yeah. He just wasn't that good. And he hasn't been for the last couple of years, eh? I mean, he really hasn't done anything well, this, since this this is only this is only his third year. Mm-hmm. This is only his third year. I mean, he's as far as I'm concerned, he's been a ghost for two years. So yeah, he was great in 2016, and since then he's really been nothing. Yeah. So I don't know. How do you get on the All Star then? It, it can't be because everybody else in the Western Division sucked. Because I, I don't believe that's the case. Mm-hmm. Who's, the, who's the safety in, in Saskatchewan? Um, geez, I can't remember what his name is. It's Ron Carter, wasn't it? <laughs> no, he's a nickelback. All right, sorry, I, I cornerback. Okay, so I can't remember. This? I'm looking it up. Bye, Mike Edom. Yeah. Yeah, I could have put him in. Yeah, Mike Edom. I, I would have put Mike Edom. former Lion, if I'm not mistaken. Loffler. Well, mm-hmm. what's the safe, who's the safety in Calgary? I mean, you guys had a stellar uh, defense. Tunge Adelike, I think his name is. He's Didn't a, have a standout he's a, season? He's a second-year player. First year as a starter. So... And okay. Adam Berger was his backup. I don't know who that is. Oh, look at that. We got, uh, we have to end the show. She's she's telling it. She's yelling at me. Okay. So let's go over and close off the show. This has uh, been Let's Talk CFL podcast episode number 296. I've been your host, Christopher Jones, and we have reviewed the first the semifinal semifinal rounds of the 2018 CFL season. Watch football Sunday morning breakfast game. Get your beers out. Uh, you guys take care. Charles, say good night. Good night, folks. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you after the playoff games. First round of the playoffs on Sunday night. Yeah, are we going to do it Sunday night? Hmm. Whichever, whichever you want. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Depends on how tired.
Mark's going to be in um, Regina. He's going to the game. We might we might be better off to do it Monday night. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Okay, so uh, Will, yeah. say good night, sir. Good night, everybody. Watch football this weekend. Playoff football, it's the best. Go Bombers. Go Bombers. Go Lions. Mm-hmm. Take care, guys. Yep. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.